I'm looking forward to uh, sharing this word today because it flows so beautifully with what the Holy Spirit is saying. Thank you, Anita, for your word around communion because it fits in perfectly with what God has put on my heart today. I want to talk to you about living in the overflow. Living in the overflow of the Holy Spirit. You know, we've been talking about growing your gifts. Well, let me tell you the best way that you can grow the gifts of God on your life are by living in the overflow of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because as you allow the Holy Spirit to work and move in your life and you flow in those giftings He's given you, they're going to go to a new dimension and a new level and you're going to go to a whole new understanding in God. And so we're going to talk about living in the overflow. Of course, the problem that we have is that a lot of people don't live in the overflow of the Spirit of God on their life. They live in the they live in the undertow. You know, an undertow is something that drags you down. An undertow is something that drags you back to living a certain way. And I've met too many Christians over the years who are living in the undertow of something that drags them back, something that holds them back, mediocrity or complacency. And we don't want to live in that place of the undertow, but we want to live in the place of the overflow of the Spirit of God in our life because when we live in that place, that's when incredible things happen. Thank you. thought I was in an Anglican church here for a minute. Can I encourage you, please, this morning... Once I get my glasses so I can see my notes, thank you very much. Can I encourage you? Oh, there you are. That if you happen to agree with something I say this morning, just an amen, you don't have to go hyper, you don't have to go stupid, but just an amen or a come on or yes. Thank you. We are a Pentecostal church and we believe in, in, in saying amen and agreeing with what the Word of God says. Okay, now that I can see my notes, let's get into this. You know, in 1904, there was an amazing revival that happened in the nation of Wales. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the Welsh revival. In 1904, it started with a very humble Sunday school teacher called Evan Roberts. Now, we've got Sunday school teachers or kidsway workers up there at the moment in those other rooms. Let's never underestimate what they do for the kingdom of God because who knows, they could be the next ones that start a revival in this nation. And so Evan Roberts, it started with him and it was an amazing revival in just over one year. Just over one year, they saw in the nation of Wales over 100,000 people give their lives to Jesus Christ. In just over years, just phenomenal as the Spirit of God swept through that nation. It, it changed so many things. A lot of the pubs throughout Wales had to close down because they didn't have any business. True story. In fact, a lot of the police officers who were employed as police officers uh, in Wales had to be put off because there was nothing for them to do. Wouldn't that be a great problem to have? <laughs> In fact, many miners, because as you know, Wales is a coal mining uh, country, a large coal mining industry, and, and many miners, these big burly miners were getting saved and set free by the power of God and, and incredible things were happening, but it caused problems because all the uh, donkeys that they used in the mines to cart the coal, 
uh, up to uh, the surface, all these donkeys, they had been trained previously to the outpouring to respond to cuss words. And so <laughs> they had to retrain all the donkeys again because the miners had gotten saved and were no longer using that kind of language. Isn't that cool? It was an amazing outpouring of the Spirit of God in the nation of Wales. And in that outpouring in 1904, there was a lady called Susanna Lloyd with her brother David. David was a cripple on crutches and, and, and they happened to go along to one of these revival meetings and they got radically saved by the power of God, totally transformed their lives. This was incredible what happened in their lives. And a few years later, Susanna, with her young daughter and her brother David, they actually immigrated to Australia and they set up a small restaurant in Fremantle in Perth, WA, where they lived for a long, long time. A few years later, Susanna, um, she, she, her daughter got married to a farmer from Beverly. Beverly's about 300 kilometres away from Perth. And they got married and they too gave their lives to the Lord and they were inspired by God and the Spirit was working in their lives and they decided to go as missionaries to um, uh, Bulawayo in Africa. Anyone know where Bulawayo is? I've got a few South Africans here, I'm sure you guys know. So they went to Bulawayo and they were missionaries there for many years and uh, saw great things happen, miracles and, and signs and wonders and healings and many people saved and while they were there, they had two daughters, this couple. And so these two daughters, and the oldest daughter actually ended up marrying a youth pastor who she met over there. And so she met this youth pastor, they got married, and they eventually uh, were pastoring two different churches in South Africa. It's absolutely incredible, saw wonderful things, saw people saved from this outflow of the Holy Spirit. They all decided... Um, to go back to uh, Australia and they emigrated to Australia and this particular couple, they continued to pastor in Australia and in Australia they pioneered churches throughout Queensland, throughout Western Australia and uh, they saw God move in powerful ways through this particular couple and then that particular couple had three sons now, those three sons, out of those three sons, one of those sons became a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he saw wonderful things happen at Capital Edge Church. In case you missed it, that was me. And now I have four kids, and two of them are pastors, as you know, in this church. Now, here's the point I'm making. I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet here. I'm not trying to say, hey, wow, look at me. But this is what I am saying. Welsh Revival, almost 115 years later, five generations later, my family is still living in the overflow of what took place back then. Come on, that's incredible. 115 years later. The revival that my great-grandma was saved in. Now, you may not have that kind of Christian heritage. 
You may not have that heritage. You may be thinking, well, you know, I'm the first off the ranks in my family. I'm the first one to come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ in my family. But I want you to understand something today, that if you live in the overflow of the Holy Spirit in your life, your life will influence others for years and years and years and years to come. It can start with you. Long after you've gone, the overflow of your life will still be reaching generations. That's incredible. Imagine sitting in heaven one day, sipping non-alcoholic pina coladas, <laughs> just enjoying yourself in the presence of God. And an angel of the Lord walks over to you and says, well done. You say, what? I'm just minding my own business here, sipping my drink. Well done. You say, what, what did I do? And the angel happens to say to you, well, one of your great, great, great grandkids just hit a home run for the kingdom of God. Well done. That's part of our inheritance. Long after we are gone. Because of the overflow of the anointing of the Spirit of God in our lives. It doesn't finish when you finish. In fact, you don't finish when you finish. You just start again. Praise God. Living in the overflow of the Holy Spirit. I'm so keen to challenge each and every heart today to live in the overflow of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't settle for anything less. Don't settle for comfort. Don't settle for complacency. Don't settle for just the norm. Don't settle for beige. I hate beige. It's not even a colour. It's, it's something trying to be a colour. Beige. Nothing worse than a beige, ho-hum, no fun, sit on, uh, no, uh, there's something, uh, there's nothing worse than that. <laughs> Almost got myself in trouble. But when we live in the overflow of the Holy Spirit, wow, it's an exciting life. It's the best life that there is. So how do we continue to live in the overflow of the Holy Spirit in our lives? I want to give you just a couple of keys this morning from different stories in the Word of God. If you have your Bibles or your applications, open up to 1 Kings 17. This is our first story. 1 Kings 17 verses 8 to 16. It's the story of the widow of Zarephath. The widow of Zarephath, you may have heard of the prophet Elijah. It's a story that takes place in his day. Let me read to you from verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of a jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. This is a pretty desperate situation. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, 
Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did, as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. What a powerful story. You know, I I just find this story amazing because this particular widow was down to her last meal. It was the last bit of flour. It was the last bit of oil that she had. And she was going to make a small little flat bread for her and her son to eat. And then she was going to just sit down and die. And the prophet Elijah shows up. He shows up and he insists. He says, share this miserable little meal. Share it with me. Share it with me. And the thing that amazes me in this is that she does. There's a lesson there. She does. Flour is a symbol of truth in the Word of God. And, of course, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. And when the truth of the Word of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit is combined, that's when miracles happen. not just the natural enablement of your gifting, but it's the supernatural empowerment of your gifting. And so she shares her meal with the prophet Elijah. And we know that her supply continued so that there was always enough. There was always enough. My first point is this, If you want to continue in the overflow of the Holy Spirit, you must be willing to share every last drop. You must be willing to share every last drop. The point is this, the Spirit in your life is there to share. The Spirit in your life is there to share. When you're struggling and you feel you've got nothing left to give, if you give out of your emptiness, you'll always have access to the refreshing of the Holy Spirit in your life. We've got to be willing to give out of our emptiness. I remember telling this story before in the church, but there was many years ago, and I was invited to uh, go along to a a meeting, and um, I had this bad migraine. Uh, the, the migraine was so bad, I could hardly open my eyes. I was feeling nauseous and a bit dizzy, and it was just a real bad migraine. But I went along to this meeting. There was a healing evangelist speaking. He gave a word and asked for people to respond for prayer for healing. So I responded. And uh, my head at this stage felt like it had a grenade just going off. It was so painful. And so I came forward and uh, had my arms outstretched, waiting to be prayed for, waiting for the healing power of God to touch my life. And I felt a tap on my shoulder. And it was one of the pastors of the church. And, and, and there'd been so many people had responded and he knew I was a pastor. And so he asked me to start praying for people. I thought, 
Listen, I'm here for prayer myself. I'm here for healing myself. I don't know that I can give anything. I feel totally empty. I got nothing to give. And as I thought that, the Holy Spirit said to me, give out the emptiness. I said, Lord, I'll be obedient. And so I started praying for people, and it was amazing what God was doing, and there was a healing touch in that place, so profound by the Spirit of God. I'd pray for someone, they'd go down under the power of God, and then I'd move on to another, and, and it was just incredible what was going on. My head's going bang, bang, bang. Don't even remember what I prayed. I hope it made sense to people. Finished up praying for all these people. Went back to my seat, sat down, exhausted. I thought, hang on a minute. No headache. Migraine had gone totally. Because I'd given something out of my emptiness. If you want to flow in the anointing of God on your life, you want to flow in the Holy Spirit, learn to give out of your emptiness. Learn to share every last drop. And you'll always, you'll always have infinite supply. Amen? Let's go to another passage, Genesis chapter 26, verses 12 to 22. This passage is commonly known as Isaac's Wells. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug up by the servants of his father, Abraham. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to the Gerah Valley where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug. I want you to notice that. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given to them. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerah Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerah came and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said, and they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Essek, which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well. But again, there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. Now I want you to understand something. That when we talk about a well of water, when we are talking about water and wells, quite often it is a metaphor of the Holy Spirit in our life. It is a metaphor. So this is an Old Testament metaphor of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand this point this morning that if you want to continue in the overflow of the Holy Spirit in your life, then you've got to dig your own well. 
You've got to dig your own well. You've got to dig your own well. Interesting to note that at the beginning here, Isaac first claimed the wells of his father. He claimed the wells of his father, Abraham. I'll live in the anointing of another. I'll live in yesterday's anointing. I'll live in the anointing that was on my father, Abraham. I'll drink from the well of my church when I get thirsty. I'll drink from the well of Capital Edge when I get thirsty. I'll draw from the well of that particular conference that I like going to. I will draw from that well. Every year I plan to go to that conference and I plan to draw from that well. I'll get refreshed by that particular person's ministry. And listen, none of those things are bad. All of those things are good and all of those things have their right place. But here's the problem. The problem is we go from event to event to event taking sips when we could dig a well of infinite supply for ourselves. I don't want to just take sips. I want to be drenched in the Spirit of God. I want to have access daily to the presence of God in my life. We've got to keep digging our own wells. There's an old saying, where there's a will, there's a way. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, where there's a well, there's a way. took me ages to think of that one. Sure, it deserved a better response. Thank you very much. I want you to notice something, that when Isaac dug the wells, opposition arose. Opposition arose. You see, I would love to say that you just dig a well and you're going to forever live in the blessing and the flow of the Holy Spirit. But when you do dig your own well, there will be opposition that arises. Because the enemy doesn't want you to be able to drink daily from the source of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want you to be able to drink daily. He would much rather prefer you to just take a sip occasionally. So there will be opposition. But you've got to keep digging. You've got to keep digging your own well. Here's the other thing I noticed about this story. It just struck me as really strange that wherever Isaac dug, he found water. That's not normal in a desert. You can dig for ages in a desert and find nothing. But everywhere this guy dug, he found water. It was almost like he says, oh, come on, let's just dig a well here. And they dug and there was water. Let's dig a well here. Oh, look, a stream. Let's dig a well here. Oh, look, a lake. It was everywhere he dug, there was water. Why is that? And this is how I felt God speaking to me about this point. As a child of God, who's a child of God here this morning? Great, it's good to know. As a child of God, we have this promise with us that if we keep digging, the Holy Spirit will keep refreshing. Just keep digging. Keep digging. There is a, for the child of God, there is a well of infinite supply. Keep digging. 
keep saying, Holy Spirit, I love what you did in my life yesterday. I love that, that, that thirst-quenching touch that you gave me yesterday, but I want more today. Lord, I'm going to dig the well deeper today in my life. Keep digging. Third story, 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. This is the story of Elisha, the prophet that took over from Elijah. I wish those names were different because I get confused over who did what. This is Elisha and the widow. One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha, cried out, My husband who served you is dead and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What what can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? It always starts with what you have in the house, by the way. Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, well, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and your neighbours. Then go into your house with your son, shut the door behind you, and pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. One flask of oil became multiple jars which she could use to meet her needs. It's interesting looking at those words. Some versions of the Bible use the word vessel and jar or flask and vessel. They use words that would suggest that they mean slightly different things. I want you to understand something this morning, that when it comes to living in the overflow of the Holy Spirit, you can increase your capacity for more. I hear people trying to put lids on things. When I first came to Canberra, they said, man, you'll never grow a church that big. Man, if you you do this down the south of Tuggeranong, you know, Tuggeranong means a cold place. By the way, Do you know that today is our last day of winter? And so next Sunday, next Sunday is our first Sunday of spring for the year. I just hope the weather knows. But there you are. But they said to me, they said, if you you do this in that particular region, you'll be doing okay. No one's ever broken through that barrier in this city before. This is Canberra, you know, city of the revolving door. People come, people go, people come, people go. And I listened to all these lids. And I said, I'm not going to put up with the lid. Because I serve a God who can increase our capacity for more. And there's more to happen in this city. There's more to happen in Tuggeranong. There's more to happen at Capital Edge Church. And when we fill our new building, which by the way is looking incredible. They put in the tiered seating this week. Can't actually climb up there yet because I'm too afraid I'll fall through the gaps. But once they get the floorboards in, I'm at the top. 
And you know what? When we fill that place, guess what? There'll be room for one more. And when that one more comes, there'll be room for one more. And then we'll start another service, so there's room for more. Because we serve a God of increase. We serve a God who can increase your capacity for more. So how do you increase your capacity for more? Well, back to this story, you don't leave the oil in the flask. Don't leave the oil in the flask. You know, this, this, this lady, she had one flask of oil. But you don't leave the oil, the Holy Spirit, in the flask. You take what you've got and you use it for God's glory. You make it your aim to fill all the other empty vessels around you with the glory of God. Here's the difference between those two things. A flask is for display. Whereas a jar is for everyday use. See, here's the problem. The problem is that too many people are storing the oil in a flask rather than using the oil for everyday use. Look at my 1995 vintage. Beautiful, isn't it? The year I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, yes. What a vintage. That's that's a bottle, and I even love the label. Haven't taken a drop since, but isn't she a beauty? Look at my 2008 vintage. Yes, oh, that was an incredible year of Holy Spirit breakthrough. Yes, sirree, that was, that was a doozy that year. Look at the vintage. Look at the flowers. You've got to give it. You've got to take what is on your life, the Spirit of God, and you've got to invest that into those around you, those vessels that may need some filling, those vessels that may need your word of encouragement, that may need your gift in order for them to go through what they've got to get through so that they can get to that place where they can be a blessing and they can be an infilling for others. Word of God says, give and it will come back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Running over. Final point is this. Don't actually have a Bible story for this one. But the point is simply this. If you want to be filled with the overflow of the Holy Spirit... Get desperate. Get desperate for the things of God. Stay desperate for a move of the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't want to live on yesterday's manner. I don't want to live on yesterday's anointing. I don't want to live on all those wonderful things. And I don't want to set up a flask saying, this is where it's at. But I want something fresh for today. few years ago, as many of you will know, I had the opportunity of going to Wales. First time I'd been there. I was invited to speak at a church in Newtown, Wales. Pastor, there's a great man of God, Alan Hewitt. I preached in the morning, then I came back and preached at night. 
And at the nighttime service, I just wanted to do something. You see, I'm a, I'm a bit of a singer muso from way back. And I was standing there in front of 400 Welsh people. Now, for those of you that don't know, the Welsh invented singing. Boy, can they sing. They're incredible. Still to this day, I listen to a Welsh choir and I just start crying. And singing, oh, Danny boy, and I knew him personally. And so I said to the pastor, Pastor Alan, do you mind that before I preach tonight, would I just be able to lead the congregation in a chorus? Is that all right if I just get on the piano there and just, just lead a song? I had told him that it's something I can do. It's just not like, hey, let's see what happens. He said, yeah, you do whatever you want, John. It was funny being there, you know. It felt like I was stepping into the place where my spiritual inheritance had been launched. It was the first time I'd been there, but I felt like I'd been born there. Couldn't help thinking of my great-grandmother, Susanna. I started singing this little song. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. Felt the weight of the anointing. I can feel it near. Felt the weight of the anointing come in that place. This is my daily bread. Your very words spoken to me. And then that beautiful Welsh crowd with those beautiful voices stood to their feet, hands raised, tears running down their faces. And they started singing. And I I'm desperate for you. Thank you, Jesus. And I I'm lost without you. Thank you, Lord. I just felt the weight of his presence. You know, the Bible talks about, it uses this little word, the kabod, the weight, the heaviness of the presence of the Holy Spirit. I could hardly preach afterwards. I just want to challenge us as a church. Let's keep living in the overflow. Let's keep living in the overflow. Let's be willing to share every last drop 
Let's give out of our emptiness. Let's dig our own wells. Let's increase our capacity for more of the Holy Spirit. Let's stay desperate for the Holy Spirit to move. You know, without the Holy Spirit, Capital Edge becomes just a nice place to have fellowship. But with the Holy Spirit, it becomes a place where lives can be transformed, people can be healed, miracles can happen, people can be set free, breakthrough, lives can be restored, marriages restored, families restored, addictions broken. Miracles happen, provision happen. It's because of the Holy Spirit. It's because of the Spirit of God. How desperate are we, church? I think we can get caught up in buildings and set up some pack downs and stuff. Bottom line, how desperate are we for God to move in our lives? How desperate are we for the Holy Spirit to move in our church? How desperate are we to have a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit within us? Lord, I don't want to live on yesterdays. I need something fresh today. I need something fresh today. You need something fresh today? Just raise your hand. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I just ask you, by your Spirit, just breathe something fresh today in this house. Breathe afresh on all of these people who have raised their hands and said, I need something fresh from you, Holy Spirit, today. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Lord, may, may we be a church always desperate and hungry for more and more and more of you. We ask in your precious name. Amen.